Next order of business is a roll call of members. Please indicate your presence when the machine is open. If all the members voted, Tyler, roll. Well, the gavel has fallen, the desks have been cleared, and the parking lot is emptying out. We are done with yet another week at the Indiana House of Representatives. Uh, It's been actually kind of a quiet week, not a ton of controversy, not a ton of bills that have had a bunch of debate on the floor. Uh, And before I introduce my guests, I just want to give you a a quick rundown here. So uh, Senate Bill 114 passed through the House, uh, protecting tenants from utility shutoffs. Uh, This was a bipartisan effort to protect tenants from having their utility shut off because of a negligent landlord or property owner. It comes less than a year after residents at several Indianapolis apartment apartment complexes nearly lost their utilities. I'll make sure to share the link to that story uh, in the description. Also, some good news. A couple House Democrat bills passed out of Senate committees this week to be considered by the full chamber, including Representative Earl Harris's House Bill 1449, which we talked about on a previous episode, which will automatically enroll all eligible students in the 21st Century Scholars Program. Representative Maureen Bowers, HB 1228, which will ensure that all athletic coaches are held to the same penalty when found guilty of having an inappropriate relationship with a minor, also passed out of committee. And Representative Mitch Gore's House Bill 1365, which will add machine gun conversion devices to the state definition of a machine gun, giving Marion County officials a tool to fight back against these deadly devices. All great stuff. All happened within the last week. Uh, But today, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I've got a special guest, my dear friend, Chris Camp, no uh, oh man, Chris Campaniolo, Camp, Chris Campianola, Chris, you just got to tell me. Do it one more time. You, you nailed it the first time. Really? You, but you looked like I didn't. So it was a trick. I I've learned to just roll with however one one wants to pronounce my last name. I I go with it. You know, they being Blake Johnson. There's a Key and Peele skit where they say Balake, and people have done this to me now ever since that thing came out. That is uh, that is kind of the go to when folks want to intentionally mess up my name. Chris, what is your job at the Indiana State House? I am chief legal counsel for uh, the Democratic leader. Chief legal counsel for the Democratic leader. So if you've ever visited the state house and you've come into the chamber and if you look in the back of the room, there are these two glass boxes. Uh, we refer to them here in the biz as the bubble. Chris, what is the bubble? Uh, this is so the 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 two bubbles are the uh, Republican and Democratic attorneys' offices, and we are in sort of the rare corners of the chamber, but we've got windows that look into the chamber, so they kind of get it's sort of like a fishbowl almost, and um, and so we got we somewhere along the, the the way, it was just called the bubble, and um, it's, it's a, quite a sight if you want to come and look in. You can see some wood paneling from the 1950s and. Uh, some nice uh, uh, countertop desks that we have, um, but this is the law office, uh, the legal office for both of the caucuses. So, you know, starting kind of zoomed out here, it's also not a big space. And at times there's a lot of people in this little space. I, you know, I think I come in here before every session every day as part of the rules thing. We'll hop into that in a second, but sure. you know, this is, you guys really jam in here to get the work done. Yeah. There, there can be, sometimes there's three of us uh, in here. Um, Leader Jay Quinna asked me if I was going for a Guinness record, trying to put how many people I was trying to pack into this, uh, into the bubble, but it's probably, I don't know, 10 by 10, maybe not much larger than that. Yeah, yeah, maybe you, maybe I mean, 10 by 
14. And even just the two of us in here. I mean, we're it's it's a full office already. Yes. So. Okay, so this is the bubble. We've kind of explained where it's at, where to look for it. Uh, what does the day-to-day operation of the bubble involve? Uh, so I'll just kind of just confine this to during session. Um, the we we follow all the legislation and it sort of differs between if you're in the majority or the minority. I worked in this office when we were the majority caucus. Um, and in, in the majority, all of the legislation uh that would be considered on the House floor comes through here. Bill, you know, the the bills themselves are in the clerk's office, but amendments, committee reports, um motions, all resolutions, those all would go through the majority attorney's office. Uh, And the minority side, we handle the portions of those things that the Democratic members are offering or um, proposing. So we work with Democratic members on drafting and getting filed amendments for bills on second reading. We work with them if they want to try to offer committee amendments, making sure those go to the right um, nonpartisan staffers at the Legislative Services Agency uh, that staff the appropriate committee. If a member wants to do a resolution to celebrate or honor someone in their district, or let's say a, a common one would be a sports team that's done very well, maybe won uh, a basketball tournament or uh, the baseball tournament or so, uh, something like that, the resolutions to honor them come through our office. Uh, and then we, uh, we obviously work with the majority caucus because all the things that we do have to go through them, as I mentioned earlier. You know, it's, it's interesting because you think about, uh, for you, listener, who maybe you know, doesn't have a ton of visibility into this, you might ask yourself, like, how does somebody who maybe is a florist or a, an educator or they, you know, work in construction or they're, you know, any number of other professions, how is it possible that they can come in here and write the laws? And part of the mechanism that allows that to happen is legal staff who have an understanding of the code, who have understanding of the way the issues play into the drafting to ensure that we all do that the appropriate way, right? Yeah. we. I, so the legislature has the Legislative Services Agency, which is the kind of the backbone for the two chambers. They run the IT, uh, they run the voting systems, they draft uh, all the bills and resolutions, the language that goes into the code, they, they're the ones who draft that on behalf of the members. And with uh, they don't make policy decisions. That's where partisan staff and the elected members, they say, this is my goals. This mm-hmm. is what I'd like to do. They translate that into the actual language that goes into the bill and how the statutes are changed. Um, and so that they are a big part of that. Uh, and and you f- please feel free to uh, edit out what I'm about to uh, talk about here. But just one of the things that, I, that I've thought about is when you think about you know, our Constitution, this version of our Constitution was adopted in 1851. And when the late legislature came in, um, you had farmers and blacksmiths and you know Hoosiers from all around Indiana would come here. They would uh, the basement of this building, the state house, was the stable, so their horses would go down there. And I don't know how many of them could you know were, would write their own legislation, but I don't believe that we had professional staffs back then. And so I I've always kind of wondered as we have more professional staff, you know, we, we, there's 36 titles 
in the Indiana Code. And how many titles were there back then? Because we just probably had fewer bills because we didn't have professional staffs, especially if a lot of those legislators weren't writing their own legislation and were just, you know, kind of reading what what was written by other members. I've always kind of wondered uh, how much just the advent of technology and professional staffs uh, has changed the size and and sort of the uh, where so much of our law comes from, not so much from courts, but from the legislature and the, the legislation that uh, members like yourself draft. So, uh, you know, other thing I think people maybe don't realize is that uh, while sometimes I, I think the kind of nuances and the granularity of public policy can seem sort of slow moving and bland, this office often has to work very, very fast. Uh, and you have very quick deadlines to turn things around. Could you speak to that just a little bit about what happens here on a given day in terms of meeting deadlines? I usually we try to come in here with a game plan and we throw that away uh, 15 or 20 minutes after we get started. Sure. Um, it, so the, you know, the path of legislation is that gets uh, written by the, 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 the members of LSA that I mentioned, and then it gets introduced and filed by, uh, by yourself and your colleagues. And then it goes to, it's assigned to a committee where it's heard. That's where, you know, any you know, committee members might, might amend the bill. And then if it gets voted out of committee, it's now, uh, before the house floor and it gets heard twice on the house floor, two different times it's read Uh second reading. There's basically three things that can happen. It can be recommitted to another committee. It can be, which is often a way that a bill is killed, right? Is if it gets recommitted to rules in particular, we've talked about this on previous episode, uh, getting recommitted rules might be the end of the road for that bill. It could be the end of the road, Um, but it goes to another committee. So now it's up to that committee chair to hear it again. And there's some committees that in the house rules automatically get a bill. Ways and means will get a bill if it's going to cost more than, I think it's $50,000 if I remember the rule right. And so it can get recommitted to another committee. That's number one. Okay. Yeah. It can be amended by any member of the chamber by offering an amendment. And then the third thing that can happen is that it gets engrossed, which means it's then moved to third reading. And third reading is when it is voted on for final passage in the House. So on second reading, this is a place where it's a tight timeline, right? So we have to have amendments filed by two hours. Three hours. Three yeah. hours before uh, session starts. And so that means that uh, if someone comes in as a member, and uh, if you hear applause, I apologize, we have something going on here in the chamber. But uh, I if a member, it's one of those aforementioned uh, football teams that yeah, uh, might have we're won celebrating it. some folks in the chamber today. This is it's got to be distracting all this glass around and just seeing everything that happens. But so on on seconds, um, if a member such as myself wants to make a second reading amendment on the floor that day, uh, we get that information to you. Sometimes we give you plenty of time to work on it. Sometimes we probably fail that test. I won't have you name any names. Um, But you are then, and your team, have to get that turned around and filed sometimes in an hour, sometimes less than that. Is that right? Uh, So the requests come in either to us or goes directly to the Legislative Services Agency, and then they draft up the amendment. They send it to us to get it. It has to be signed by the member that wants to to offer and author the um, the amendment and then we file it with the clerk's office hopefully we get these done early enough uh in the day or the day before that we don't have to 
um, we're not racing around. We try to avoid that. Uh, I'm not exactly f- very uh, quick on my feet, but uh, it has happened where we've had to like race down the hall to try to beat the filing deadline. Um, and so we, we hopefully we have enough time to, to get that done. But, you know, um, today we convened at 11 o'clock. The filing deadline was 8 a.m. We had one amendment uh, that was offered by one of our members. Uh, he was able to sign it yesterday, so we didn't have to. A little bit of lead time. On yeah, that didn't one. have to. It, didn't have to wake him up and get him to come down here because he he already had the amendment. So, the other thing to consider about this is that you, you heard me say, well, you heard me get it wrong, and then Chris get it right. The three hour deadline before session starts. You no, you, you were right that it was two hours. La- it was. It's been two hours up until this year. Okay. We we changed the rule, so you were you were thinking about what the rule really has been for the majority of your time. That's in the-, the kind of spin I'm looking for, Chris. That's the kind of spin I'm looking for. Okay, so uh, the other thing to consider that means is uh, an amendment would get filed three hours before we start. So that also means as a member, you have three hours with all the amendments to get a grasp of them. You've also got staff that are trying to make their way through it, get summaries written, all of that. that that's what we're doing in, in those in that time frame. Because those three hours are, are you're working hard. I mean, well, because you're, so... Yesterday, the member uh, he said, oh, I have this amendment coming. And he, I talked to him and we figured out what it did and we summarized it. And, uh, but on the, if the Republicans file amendments, those are filed by that three hour deadline. We have to figure out what the Republicans amendments are proposing to do. Our colleagues in the majority are trying to figure out what our amendments are proposing to do. So we're doing that. We're also trying to look at whether or not the amendments violate any House rules. Uh, that's something that you know quite well as the ranking minority member of the Rules Committee. Um, so we're trying to flag things for you and help you um, be prepared for any arguments uh, that we might have claiming that their amendment violates a House rule, but also look out for them saying, hey, we think your amendment might violate a house rule and trying to help sure make sure that you're that you know that could be something coming your way the extraordinary amount of procrastinating i did in college i think helped prepare me to be the rules uh ranking minority member because we really do have such limited time um oftentimes you know i mean there have been moments when we're i'm running in here to see you and i'm like what do we make of this <laughs> like here we, we're going on the floor in five minutes uh and you guys are helping me craft arguments and all it's it's a it's a crazy hectic moment at times especially when you consider that on a given day, on second reading, we might have 40 bills on second reading. There could be, you know, five, six, ten amendments for any given bill. So you could have a confluence of events, the perfect storm, um, where you're trying to work your way through 70 amendments in uh, the morning. Sure. And um, during the special session this last summer, I believe that there was a 70 or 80 amendments filed on just one piece of legislation. Yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible thing. Okay, so we've kind of flagged here that, um, you know, there are 100 members, obviously, the House Representative, 50 members of the Senate. Um, you are receiving, as a, a member of the legislature, hundreds of emails on a given day. You are having dozens of meeting requests to talk about different legislation, different advocacy groups are coming in to chat with you. Uh, you're also trying to draft 
amendments. You're trying to move your bills along through committees. So we rely heavily on a staff of extraordinary public servants to help us move that work forward. And Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot to talk just about a couple of these other roles that exist without having to dive too deeply. Um, But as I think about the roles that are most important to me, you obviously are very high on that list, oh, as, especially as it relates to being on the rules. Um, you know, we we work together pretty closely on that. My LA comes to mind, um, legislative assistance. Could you give just a little bit of information about what the legislative assistants do on a day to day basis? Sure. I uh, the so the legislative assistants work for three, uh, in most cases, three members of the House, and they handle constituent affairs. Um, depending, it, it kind of depends on. Uh, what the member asks the legislative assistant to do. So every every, every portfolio is a little bit different, but um, constituent affairs, uh, perhaps preparing for com- upcoming committee meetings, meeting with constituents who might be here when the uh, representative is in uh, committee, perhaps. Um, we were just talking about some sort of student group that was touring the the House Chamber and uh, perhaps being congratulated for winning a, a basketball tournament or something. If they come to the State House to be honored, a lot of times it's the legislative assistant who coordinates all that. Um, a few weeks ago, I think it was a week ago, we had uh, some sort of, I forget what the event was, it might have been Senior Day, and we had um, one of our legislative assistants had to work with their member to coordinate all of that. So it's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects that goes into that uh being the legislative assistant and then there's also sort of a side gig that each of the our legislative assistants have or most of them have in that they also staff committees and so when a bill is heard in the committee that they're assigned to they go they take notes and they prepare notes that are shared with um senior staff and leadership uh so that if there's a question of what happened in this committee or what did the lobbyist from uh, the Farm Bureau say? We can look and have some idea who, who, uh, what, what their comments were, what their concerns were. It, you know, it's less important two days later. It's far more important, you know, next summer when I get a question. What happened? How, why, would, why was someone opposed to this, this bill? It's a way for us to go back and look and see why something was supported. Or opposed. We also rely on press secretaries, folks that help us manage relationships with the print media and online media and radio media and television media to ensure that the word is getting out about what's happening here in this building. Uh, any any thoughts on the press secretary role and the role the the way it kind of plays into the the day to day dynamics of this building? Much like the legislative assistants, they work for multiple members, so they are constantly running and being very busy and. Um, you know, gone are the days of NBC, ABC, and CBS being the only real broadcast networks and the only real way to get out your, uh, your video media. Uh, there's, you know, the internet, YouTube, still broadcast, obviously. Remarkably good podcasts. And, and, and then on the audio side, 
podcasts like this esteemed one. Yes. Uh, you know, and I, I do want to mention that they, you know, we require, not require, request uh, quite a bit from our staff. And, uh, you know, it is at the whims of the member in many ways, the kind of way that plays out. Uh, for me, for Brianna, my press secretary, I, you know, she has to deal with the fact that I want to do a podcast every week, uh, <laughs> in addition to any other sort of, uh, you know, product that would come out from from a media standpoint. And my poor, uh, poor legislative assistant, Ann, uh, has to deal with me continually trying to make jokes uh, and be make her laugh rather than make her job easier. So, uh, well, listen, Chris, anything else that you think folks should know just to kind of about the bubble, about the behind the scene mechanics of the state house uh, as they're listening in today? I, I, I don't want to bore your your listeners. I, I think that with this if is... anything, if they're listening at this point, like 11 <laughs> episodes in, they are incapable. Oh, 11 episodes in. Bored. I thought you meant 20 minutes, minutes no, in no, listening no. to me. 11 episodes in. If they're still logging in to listen to this, they are incapable of being bored. So you should feel free to take it away. Um, fair enough. Uh, really, I think you've actually done a good job of summarizing what, what we do here. And um it's we're we're a small staff, um, but you know, in the attorney's office, we have um, two very good lawyers who work with work with me, and then we have a um, a well, we call it the bubble assistant because of what we've named this room, but uh, an attorney's assistant, and for their own privacy, and because I didn't check with them, I'm not going to name them, but uh, I would not be able to, I, I wouldn't be able to do this job without their help. Because there is so much that there is to manage and follow and understand, um, and I just couldn't do it without them. I think the one thing that we didn't hit on here, and it's about to happen pretty soon, is that um, you know, in the we said that bills go to second reading, they go to third reading. Well, House bills then go to the Senate, and that process starts over again. And when that bill come, when a House bill comes back from the Senate, we have to look at whether or not they have amended that bill. And if so, we have to know how they amended it so that uh, if the bill at that point will either be the author of the bill will either decide I'm okay with these changes and I'll ask the House to consent to the changes and concur with the Senate changes or we'll dissent and go to dissent, not dissent, we're not landing on the lunar surface here, (laughs) Um, dissent and go to conference committee and again, we'll have to try to have some idea as to what happened so that our conferee and advisors um, can be prepared for those meetings. In, if, the- in theory, hopefully. If this podcast were a movie, I think over the course of the last 10 or so episodes, we've done a great job of flagging for you that there'll be some episodes towards the end just about conference committee and the bizarre experience that that can be and the way this all kind of wraps up so that bills get over the final hurdles. So I hope that you'll hang hang uh, with us throughout the next several weeks so we get to the end and you can learn all you need to learn about Con- conference committees. Conference committees, when, when, uh, when I talk about the legislative process with our interns every year, I tell them that we get there in eight, we the, the, last, the very end of session and you know, here the, this year it'll be probably mid-April or so maybe a little bit sooner. And I tell them like, we'll spend three months as you learn how this place works and you'll kind of have it figured out. Then we're going to throw it all out the window and we're, it's just going to be nothing that you've seen before. Um, 
So that's that is coming, and we are already starting to prep for it. Well, and and along with that, uh, we'll have the rules committee. Uh, we'll start meeting a little more regularly there at the end of session. That's right. This will be my first time uh, as the RMM for rules in terms of that part of the process. Uh, at which case, we're also throwing out some of the rules to make everything work and meet deadlines and all of that. Well, we so. don't we necessarily throw them out, but but. By rule, the conference committee reports have to pass uh, out of the chamber by a certain day. He's gonna he's he's lawyering me right now. He's gonna say we suspend the rule. The rule comes back. Uh, it doesn't get thrown out. Well, we we, we no. Literally, we have to we have to move to amend that rule and suspend a rule, and it's a it's a last check before it goes to the house floor. Because as I as I mentioned, when we get here, the process changes greatly. And it's just that last check to slow things down. It's a speed bump. So I, I want to share one last thing, which is uh, when Chris woke up this morning, he had a, his cup of coffee or his bubbly seltzer, whatever it might have been, uh, came into the office, started his day, did that three-hour sprint that often uh, happens here in the building. He had no idea he'd be asked to be on this podcast. Uh, but sometimes uh, a member requests something of you that you probably <laughs> didn't want to do. Uh, so Chris, thank you so much for hanging out at the end of a long week to be my my first staff guest and maybe my only ever staff guest on session sessions uh, that, that was that was very nice of you to, to ask me and i'm glad to be here it's the first time i've got to be on a on a podcast and um i guess uh first time caller long time listener is <laughs> uh, we got to flip this around because yeah. first time guest i don't know yeah so, i think it's great i think it's great well I, listen i appreciate it thank you for making the time thank you everyone once again for tuning in uh we'll be back next week i hope you have a wonderful weekend